Hello, and welcome to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast. Every week, Talking Heads will bring you in-depth insights and analysis through the lens of sustainability on the topics that really matter to investors. In this episode, we'll be discussing recent developments in climate policy and the outlook. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I'm delighted to be joined by Ed Lee's co-head of the Environmental Strategies Group. Welcome, Ed. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Daniel. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here again. Recent developments. There has, I guess, always a lot going on, but particularly recently, we've just had the COP27. And of course, there's continuous developments on regulatory front and always new news around climate. So why don't you give us an update? What's been happening and how does that affect your outlook? Yeah, absolutely. COP27 is a good place to start. There's been some progress, but of course, as you might expect, not nearly enough. We did get important progress on climate justice. Uh, We reached an agreement on an outcome that establishes a funding mechanism to compensate vulnerable nations for loss and damage from climate-induced disasters. That's a first. Uh, There was some advancement on emissions, uh, uh, most notably in Indonesia. There was uh, a finance deal to help them move off coal a decade earlier. That was about a $20 billion deal that was material. Uh, Mexico also announced that it was going to double its renewable build in the next 10 years. uh, So now further 30 gigawatts by 2030. And Turkey talked about reducing carbon by 41% by 2030, up from uh, previous 21%. Some other progress Uh, during the conference, the UN announced the executive action plan for the early warnings for all initiative. That was about three billion. And U.S. Vice President, uh, previous Vice President, climate activist Al Gore presented a new independent inventory of greenhouse gas emissions that will help monitor through satellite data uh, facility level emissions for over 70,000 sites around the world. So that was uh, that was really good. And then finally, the Egyptian leadership also announced the Food and Agriculture for Sustainable Transformative Initiative to improve the quantity and quality of climate finance contributions for agriculture and food systems. So all, all of this is great, but unfortunately, there wasn't quite enough uh, progress in, in moving forward uh, other key issues, particularly on the phasing out of fossil fuels and, and tightening language on the need to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees uh, Celsius. We heard from the UN that that goal is uh, much harder now, I think, to achieve. So uh, so we still need to do more, but those are some of the highlights from COP. We've just come through the third quarter earnings season, so I imagine there's always lessons to be learned from that. What can you update us there? How did things come through? How are companies in this space holding up with all the multitude of pressures they're facing? And then maybe bring in a bit uh, any new developments on the regulatory front. Sure. You know, earnings still show some evidence of supply chain issues and and delays, but they are getting better. Usually what we've seen in these cases are delayed revenues, not lost revenues. So things pushed to 2023 uh, with a consistent message that underlying demand is strong. And indeed, in some cases, the earnings were quite good. You know, we saw whether it was SolarEdge on the solar inverter side or Sunrun on uh, Resi Solar Solution Provider side or Shoals, uh, which does utility solar cabling, all of those had good earnings, good outlooks, and the stocks were you know up mid-teens to 20% plus on the day. So very encouraging, I would say, 
On the regulatory side, we had a bit of news on the California Net Energy Metering 3.0, NEM 3.0. And this is policies that offer support to solar, which naturally step down over time as the industry becomes more economic or, or gets more support elsewhere. You know, we've already had uh, NEM 2.0, which was a step down, and this is a natural step down. Um, so this is sort of the normal course of events. But what had happened before is that there was some very effective lobbying by utilities, and they had put in a fairly draconian proposal uh, that they introduced in December 2021 that would have led to a significant deterioration in homeowner value from adding uh, rooftop solar. But there, there was a lot of pushback from the solar industry, from residents, and the proposal was then delayed to be revised. And what we have just heard is a proposal for what that revision looks like. And, and it looks like it will contain five to nine year payback periods for solar and storage. That's compared to the original proposal of a 17 to 18 year payback period. So that's a material difference. Also, no monthly grid access charges. Those would have been material as well in the original proposal. And also introduces a five-year glide path for existing uh, homeowners for uh, stepping down and, and the prices that they'll get for selling power back to the grid. So all of this was very positive. So we could see a vote perhaps by December 15th uh, if it's not delayed beyond that. And if this goes through, it'll be positive for the industry, I think, uh, versus previous expectations. Also, just because it gives clarity, the market doesn't like uncertainty and it would likely be effective in mid-April. So both of those, I think, both on the earning side and the NEM 3.0 side, those developments are encouraging. Of course, we're getting to the end of the year, so we think about what's ahead, outlook for 2023, optimistic, pessimistic. How do you think things are going to develop? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a number of forces pushing and pulling against each other right now in the market. And one of them is inflation and rates. And this is something that a lot of the renewable sectors as longer duration assets on average are very sensitive to. So it's worth highlighting that uh, the most recent CPI for October came in lower than expected. It was 7.7% versus 79 expected, and the core was um, lower than that, which has helped a recent market rally. Still, it's way above the 2% target, of course, but it's starting to move in the right direction. And, and that was further underlined by PPI, which uh, the core there came in at 6.7% versus 7.2 expected. And it was flat month over month, so perhaps even slightly more encouraging. So we're starting to see some of these inflationary measures roll over. We have to keep a close eye on that. That will continue to help uh, our space, to help perhaps growth versus value. You know, historically, we have seen growth tend to do well when the ISM is below 52 and falling. It's currently at about 50.2. It was about 60 a year ago, uh, 61. And, and growth has been broadly improving versus value since May. Growth is up about 16% from the May lows, and uh, over that time period, value is up about 9%. So um, now against all of this, these green shoots of recovery, we have to make be, be careful about the market you know, not overextending itself prematurely, and you still have to keep an eye on recessionary risk. And uh, you know that is uh, something that just has to be monitored quite carefully. But but I would say all of that exists in the context of something else that is encouraging for us and what we do, which are the tailwinds from the Inflation Reduction Act and Repower EU. So we will, over time, be getting more clarified tax policies from the IRS in the U.S., for example, to help give some clarity on how the Inflation Reduction Act will be implemented. And, you know, as a way of reminder, there's material capital here, uh, $370 billion from the Inflation Reduction Act, but it could be a lot more than that because that policy is not capped. 
right? So the government doesn't say at the 100,000th EV uh, that they've helped to subsidize no more. You know, it, that's open-ended, uh, right? So the 370 billion is really an estimate, which uh, could be much larger. Uh, and when you think about the kind of private capital it pulls in, it could be larger yet again. Also, I think we're getting more of a push to try to reduce red tape and uh, get some of these projects to market quicker. I think that there is uh, a recognition, both uh, particularly in Europe as well as the U.S., that some of the the regulatory headwinds and and licensing uh, requirements are things that have gotten in the way thus far of implementation, and those have to be addressed as well. So so my my closing comment is a lot of the excitement from policy last year uh, was around headlines, and increasingly from 2023 going forward, we're actually going to see the implementation of that with all of the capital flows that result, uh, and in some cases, you know, over a 10-year period. Uh, excellent, Ed. Thanks very much. If we summarize some of the key points that you made, we think about COP27, and even if the press maybe hasn't been super positive about the agreements that were reached, you pointed out, nonetheless, there was progress made, number one, in climate justice, uh, and number two, there was some advancement on emissions, so we'll focus on the good news. Uh, similarly, if we look at the lessons from the earnings season, uh, in general, actually, earnings were, were pretty good, at least uh, certainly for some companies. Uh, even if we saw at the same time supply chains still disrupted, but hopefully getting better. What does that mean for the outlook? Well, on one hand, of course, we have to recognize the continued drag from higher inflation and higher rates. But uh, fingers crossed on the inflation front, at least the most recent uh, print for the consumer price index was lower than the previous month and below expectations. We hope that trend continues. Uh, and on the real or policy rate side, uh, a belief perhaps that that's peaked. So that might remove uh, a big pressure that we've had on valuations over the course of the year. And then also worth keeping in mind that growth uh, as a style tends to outperform uh, when the economy is slowing or even uh, in a recession. And then finally, again, on the positive side, we do still have the tailwinds from the Inflation Reduction Act that was passed in the U.S. uh, and the Repower EU legislation closer to home. Well, Ed, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. That's it for this week's Talking Heads. If you'd like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact or check out Viewpoint, our website for investment insights at viewpoint.bnpparibas-am.com. Just before we go, I'd like to mention that our 10 Commitments to Net Zero paper is out on Viewpoint with the podcast Committing to Net Zero as an Asset Manager. If you like Talking Heads, leave us a positive review and a nice rating. We recommend subscribing to Talking Heads on your favorite podcast channel. You'll receive your podcast episodes every Monday afternoon. You've been listening to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast with me, Daniel Morris, and guest speaker, Ed Lees. This presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.